this going. So last week, Jordan talked about origin stories. Who was here and heard some of that? I didn't know that there was an ancient god, Temu, in Greek mythology that ripped his mother in half and formed the world according to Greek mythology. And when Jordan started to talk about that in origin stories, there was this point where he was in the middle of talking about this. And I was like in, I was locked in and I was so intrigued because I didn't know any of this stuff. And he turned around like there was a whiteboard here and he goes, and so you have Israel and Ammon and the Hittites and he's just like listing this thing. And I thought in that moment, we're really grateful to have (laughs) Jordan share his like expertise with us because if we're going to take the Bible seriously, we need to understand what we're reading. And so whether you're sitting by one person, whether you're sitting by two people, I'm going to ask you at some point to turn and talk to each other. But the way that I wanted to begin uh, tonight by recapping some of what Jordan said, but then mostly moving in a new direction was to say this. In the year 587 BC, Israel was under the Babylonian Empire. They had been completely conquered. And what you had was an entire nation of people who all of their young men had been taken and been trained to fight in the Babylonian army leaving women, children, and the elderly behind to try to find who they were as a nation. Because Babylon at that point had said, you're Babylon now. You're no longer your own nation. You're Babylon. The issue with that is that Israeli people, the Hebrews, they had been handed a great oral tradition of faith and that oral tradition of faith had been passed down talking about a God who created the world differently than every other violent God that every other religious nation claimed. The reason I say every other religious nation is because there were really no atheists back then. Everyone had a God they worshipped. It started, you know, the caveman wakes up and he walks out of his cave and he looks up and he sees the sun and he sees crops grow and he sees uh, his wife have a baby and all of a sudden he's sacrificing to the sun God and the fertility God and the rain God and it reaches a point where there's nothing left to sacrifice, you know? Like, do, I've said this before here, but do the logic with me. You have a good crop, so you need to sacrifice to the rain god so that you can please the rain god, so that the rain god will give you a good crop again. But if there's then a drought, you think the rain god's mad at you, so you give them more grain. And the cycle just gets worse and worse and worse until it reaches a point where you have nothing else to give except your own blood. 
And so when we read throughout history, we read stories of people cutting themselves and bleeding on altars to show their allegiance to these gods who had formed the world out of violence in their mind. And, and we have, um, I know it's, it's really funny, but there's, there's like a, there's a mountain in Israel, Palestine, where like 5,000, these, these guides will take these uh, pastors up here and they'll hike up the mountain and they'll be really tired and they'll be like sitting down and they'll find a really nice flat spot to sit. And then the guide will say, on this mountain, 5,000 men castrated themselves to the ancient god of fertility named Kibla to show their allegiance. And then all the you know, they all stand up real quick and they're like, I shouldn't I should have been sitting on that altar. I was so tired. It moves very quickly to gods who demand the firstborn child. It moves very quickly to the ancient god Molech, who 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 dwelt in a place later to be known as Gehenna where even Jewish people would leave the city and they would walk out and sacrifice their child to the fires of Gehenna to please the gods that demanded the firstborn. And so you have all of these places who have these views of God creating the world out of violence. And then you have this this one oral tradition that seems to keep getting conquered by these violent societies and made subject to them, and then in some weird ways keeps getting kind of freed, and then conquered, and then freed, and then conquered, trying to figure out what is our faith story. You have what was, what was said long ago, but who are we really? Now, our country is very different than that, so it's hard to preach a sermon or open up an idea to you about how tough that would be. Because we're always afraid, like the government's going to take over and take control and, you know, let's be prepared for it. But the reality is, these nations were saying, you're now Babylon. You're now Rome. It's just throughout history. Then you have these people saying, but who are we really? And we live in a country that's more like, We are a Christian nation. Our politics are Christian. Our money is Christian. The way we do everything is Christian. And it's very different than what these people were going through. What these people were going through is you are Babylon now. And so in 587 BC, the teachers of Israel began for the first time ever writing on scrolls their origin story. This is long after Egypt. This is long after the oral tradition has has told the story or the narrative of, of Israel being freed from Egypt in this weird, mystical, powerful, miraculous way where God takes the side of the oppressed and God shows up the other gods by saying, you think you're the God of a plague? I will show you who the God behind all of that is. You think you think you're the God who who turns water to blood. And if we if we keep this in mind later, I don't want to spoil it, but we'll see in the book of John, Jesus turned water into wine and everyone go, wait a second. I see something here. Maybe he was behind it all, which was kind of a given because in John one, 
Jesus says he was behind it all anyway. And so we find them writing down these origin stories saying, here's who we are and here's who our God is. And our God didn't rip anyone apart and our God's not angry. Our God does it differently because our God is different, which in turn makes you different. Plato called God an unmoved mover. God didn't care. Just move things around. Do your best to try to please that God or whatever God it was. Maybe you can, if you work hard enough, you can get their attention, but probably not. And in Genesis, we have a God who walks with people in the garden. Or we have a God who names things and calls them good, and we see this huge difference. So, thank you, Jordan, for all of that. I also had an hour-long phone call with him today so that I could tell you that little bit of information. And you should have heard all the things he said in between that. I was like, Jordan, why don't you just be the pastor of Edison Chapel? And I will be the guy who goes and like acquires parks. And he was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a pastor. I was like, okay, but will you preach more? And he said, yes. So we, you guys will be clapping for him more and more. Here's what I found interesting. When I meet with people, and some of you are here, who are struggling with their faith. And they are saying, I don't know if I can hang on to any of it. I feel like the rope was made of a bunch of tiny strings, which is true. And they've all frayed away. And I'm trying to hold on to the last one. But I feel like it's about to break. And in that moment, I say, do you want to reconstruct some of this with me? And if the person says yes, we sit down and I say, make a list of every negative thing that you've ever heard about God. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. Make a list of every negative thing you've ever heard about God, been told about God, or assumed about God because of something that you saw happen. And make that whole list and write it down. And once you have that list... Put a little dash after each thing you write down and write down where you learned that thing about God. Where you learned to give God that name or call God that thing. And usually people will write things like God is angry. God is watching me. God is counting my, you know, good deeds and bad deeds. God is whatever, like Get creative and start to think about the negative things that you have heard or become to believe about God. And then start to think, where did I hear these things? And once that is done, we draw a line down that paper and we have another side. And I usually say something like this. Whether it's true or not, whether you believe it or not, or whether I believe it or not, There is an ancient book that exists. And in that ancient book, there is an origin story. And that origin story is not a science book. And it's not even a history book. Because those genres didn't exist yet. 
It's something else that early people used to tell each other who they were and who their creator was. And I call that genre origin story. And often those origin stories were poetic, but they had a purpose. And usually that purpose was not to answer the same questions that we are asking today about the Bible. I have conversations with people weekly about whether or not um, the earth was created in six literal days or not. And I really don't care. And I don't even know why I have these conversations, because the reality is when we're looking at this genre of literature, it's doing something different because the Hebrew people of that time were not asking the same questions that we are asking. And so in order for us to learn anything from this book, we have to say, what were they asking and what do we need to be asking? And then we can cross that, you know, that bridge of context and find that the thing the Old Testament offers us as it walks us toward Jesus, because the Bible is the lowercase word of God and anyone who calls it the uppercase W, capital W, word of God, turn and run away. Because only Mormons and Muslims and world religions, oftentimes many of them that can be, can be known to be birthed in violence, will call a text super holy as if it almost has its own personality. The Bible is the lowercase word of God meant to lead us to the capital W word of God. And if it's going to do that, then we have to ask the questions that provide us with what we are looking for, which is what the Hebrew people were looking for. That was a long run on sentence. All that to say, it's giving us wisdom. And the wisdom that it's giving us leads us to Jesus. So I have a piece of paper and I say, now that this thing exists, whether it's true or not, even if you don't know what it is, someone wrote it down and they wrote it down in 587 BC while they were in captivity to the Babylonians so that they could remind their people that their God had something different to say about who that God was and also who they were as people. Because the Babylonians, much like the Nazis, did not have good things to say about anyone who was not Babylonian. You might be less than human, but God calls you good. Our God might be angry at you because God has elevated us to a higher power and given us favor to rule this universe. No, 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 no. Our God rules this universe and calls it good. And so I ask my friends to read through Genesis 1 with me, word by word, and say, what is the author communicating to us in this beautiful poem about who God is.
and we write down every single thing that comes to mind as we read Genesis 1 of who this author is saying their creator is. And it usually starts with, in the beginning God created. Pause, stop, what does that say about God? God's creative. I'm like cheating with them a little bit. To let's, get, let's get on a roll here. Let's open our eyes up. And God said, okay, God speaks. And then we just start to write down, okay, so God is a God who speaks. God is a God who's creative. God is a God who gives. God is a God. And, and the more that you read it, the more that you find that what you wrote on this side of the list, that's literally causing you to want to run away and jump away from your faith, has nothing to do with the beginning. It's not even the same stuff. And that is what these ancient rabbis in 587, inspired by the Holy Spirit, had to give to us wisdom because the empire the world the nation that you live in has some things to say about you and has some things to say about God and they're not the same and so when we deconstruct that when we take that and we look at it and we step back, we notice something. The first thing we notice is that if I'm going to abandon this faith because I don't like it anymore, I'm just as evangelical as the people who taught me that if you don't agree with me, you're out. So don't think you're abandoning something. <laughs> You've been taught to abandon it the moment it makes you not feel good. And the second thing we learn is this ancient book reveals something because only people who have experienced something, dare I say, magical, mystical, miraculous, outside, beyond all of it, and somehow interpreted that as love, would in the middle of their own oppression write down on scrolls, this is who God is and this is who God says you are. And so, I want to ask us, with just the people around you or just by yourself, have a conversation in your head or have a conversation with the people around you. It's either way is fine. Who was I taught to believe God is and where did I learn that? Especially the negative stuff. And then talk about Genesis one and say, what's the difference? What are, what is this author saying? God is. That's how you take the Bible seriously. We don't treat it like it's something it's not supposed to be. We treat it like what it is. 
And we travel back tonight together all the way to 587 BC. And we're going to talk. Please share with each other what are the negative things I've learned about God in my life and where did I learn them. And then kind of talk through some Genesis. What is this author? What are these people in their captivity saying about God? Does that make sense? All right, let's spend a few minutes doing that. Thank you for entertaining me and having those conversations.